Philippians chapter 1, we're talking about the book of Philippians. We're breaking it down verse by verse. What a powerful book that is. Today, uh, Pastor Ed is ministering the same sermon in Marshfield. And it, the title that, that God has given us is Problems Can Make or Break You. Do you know what I'm talking about? Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12 in the message translation. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here, now listen to this, has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone also too found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. That piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus have uh, become far more sure of themselves and the faith than ever. So the Roman soldiers were hearing it and the followers of Jesus were coming, becoming stronger. They were speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. It's true that some here preach Christ because with uh, me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But the others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I am here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition, and so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I don't really care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every one of them opens his mouth, Christ, every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just cheer them on. And I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves, I love this, only serves to make Christ more accurately known regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. Oh, what a man. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. What an attitude. Now this man was not walking around free, rejoicing in all the good things. He was in prison. The book of Philippians was written by Paul, and the apostle Paul was an amazing man. When we first read about this man, we find that his name was Saul. And we read about him first in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, I believe it is. And it tells us that they were stoning a man of God by the name of Stephen. And they were throwing their garments at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul, this same man who became Paul. Now, what an auspicious beginning to his life in Christ. Here is a man who was putting his stamp of approval on destroying all Christians. I mean, everywhere. He was going around destroying the Christian faith. In Acts chapter, three, verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, this sounds like some kind of guy that we would really enjoy inviting to Destiny Church. Come so that you can see all the Christians here so that you can persecute us. 
Then in Acts 9, we find this same Saul, verse 1, breathing out threatenings and murder against the disciples of the Lord. In verse 3, we find that he is heading into a city called Damascus where he has received permission to persecute any and all Christians there. But now Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, was also hidden with a great light that came out of the heavens on his way to Damascus. There in the road, Paul was converted and he gave his heart and life to God. God had a plan for this man who was persecuting the church, who was destroying the church, and they had yet had a plan for Paul to preach the gospel and carry the good news. Paul started ministering, from what I've been able to ascertain, at about the age of 30. And he preached for the next 30 years of his life before he was beheaded on Nero's chopping block. Paul suffered much for his faith. As we can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. Actually, it's, I, I've got it written down. It should be 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. And now we find him in Philippians 1 in a Roman prison where he makes an astonishing statement in verse 12 in the New King James Version. He says, but I want you to know, brothers, that the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Instead of moaning and groaning and crying and griping and complaining and saying, oh, woe is me, Paul says, it's been for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. I am in this prison because God has a plan. So we're going to go through three points in this sermon. Point number one is this, trials, problems, tribulations, whatever you want to call them, can work to our advantage and to the advantage of others. <clears throat> now that's hard to say. And even harder to understand. How in the world can my problems work to the advantage of the gospel? How can all that I have gone through in my life work to, to make the gospel more appropriate to people's lives? Paul says of his imprisonment in verse 13, I read it to you from the message, but let me read it to the, from the New King James Version. Verse 13 says, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now in the message, repeating it once again, says, instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. That piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Can you imagine that? Listen to the background of this story of Paul being in prison. Paul was chained to uh, uh, guards, and these guards were not just any common, ordinary guards. They were the imperial guard of Rome, who eventually became the personal guards for Nero. I mean, they were big-time people. In other words, they were not just your normal guards, but they were the elite of the elite. Paul was bound to these guards by a short chain that, so that he could not escape. Now, in William Barclay's commentary, it says this, Paul was awaiting trial before the emperor. The trial, by the way, in which he would be declared guilty. And his punishment was to be beheaded. 
He had been allowed to arrange a private lodging for himself, but night and day in that private lodging, there were soldiers to guard him, soldiers to whom he was chained all the time. Do you see this? Paul had a captive audience. They couldn't get away. I mean, Paul talked about Jesus all the time and about what he had done in his life. And these four guards had to live there. I mean, day in and day out, they would change guards and he'd get four more guys. And I mean, so they had to listen to Paul's testimony. Plus, it says that Paul was also allowed visitors to come in. And there, Paul again shared the gospel to them. These Roman soldiers were sitting there day after day with chains around them, holding on to this prisoner, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of them were converted and they took the gospel message back to the barracks where the other Roman soldiers began to hear about this man called Jesus. (coughs) That's why Paul could say, my imprisonment is for the best of the kingdom. You said, but my, my problems, <clears throat> preacher, I don't, I don't understand. My problems are, are so strong, I, I, I can't be a blessing to anyone else. I'm just barely surviving. But can I tell you, God has a plan for you. Even in, your, in the midst of your problems, Romans 8, 28 says, for all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. It says things will work to our good. Now, I don't understand that. Because I've never experienced that the way that I'd like to experience it. Troubles come and 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 nobody wants to go through problems. Nobody wants to face these heartaches. But Destiny Church, let me tell you, you can take the hard times that are going to come. Now, listen to me. They are going to come. Difficult times are going to come. You're going to get word. You're going to get reports that are going to be negative and, and you're going to hear bad things. So bad times are going to come. But if we are full of the spirit and full of the love of Jesus Christ, we can still love our neighbors. We can still reach out to them. I I know in my ministry experience, there have been times that people were going through terrible times and I went to their home or went to the hospital to try to encourage them. But the funny thing about it was when I would go to encourage them, before all was said and done, they were encouraging me. I tell them, you're not fair. You're supposed to let me encourage you, and here you are. You're uplifting me, and you're encouraging me, and that's the way it works sometimes. I'm not sure about something that I've heard (coughs) over the years. People have said, "I, I wish I knew my future, and they even go to crystal ball and go to these uh, forecasters that's going to tell them, well, what's my future? Let me tell you something. You don't want to know your future. And I look back through personal experience, and I know this, because we went through, my wife and I went through a hard time that just about destroyed us. After I look through that and look back on that, I have told God, God, if I would have known in advance, Chris, what I was about to go through for the next eight and a half years of my life, I, I wouldn't have made it. I'd have thrown in the towel because I would have said, I cannot do this, God. I am not equipped to, to go through problem after problem after heartache, after grief, after sorrow, after pain, after pain. I mean, I'm not able. But you know, the old cliche came through one day at a time. There were times that Marquette and I weren't even taking it one day at a time. We were taking one step at a time. 
There were times I think we were taking baby steps at a time because it seemed like, Doug, that, that it wasn't just one thing and then we'd get over that and then another would come. No, it seemed like it was one thing and then another would pile on that and another one pile on those. For eight and a half years of our lives, it was that way. <coughs> but we survived. And God will help you through your trials and your tribulations. Point number two is this. The trials of life can build you up or they can tear you down. It's up to you. You're the only one that can make that choice. Do you know that? You can moan and groan and cry and squall and bawl and tell everybody how bad life is. And, and you've seen people like that. You've seen them, but you, you, and I know I've mentioned this to some of you in the past, but there are some people you don't dare ask them how they're doing. Bobby, you counsel, you know what I'm talking about. You ask them how they're doing and you're getting ready for about an hour and a half of hearing nothing but bad news. Nothing good ever happens to them. But trials can make you better or make you, uh, uh, tear you down. As I said, the title of this sermon is Problems Can Make or Break You. And that's found as an example in Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, where Paul says that his imprisonment has been an incentive to preaching. That incentive, as I study this, worked two ways. So I believe it can be specific to those in ministry. And I think this point number two is for everyone who is a volunteer here at Destiny Church. I think you need to hear me and know that God is calling men and women to volunteer. He is calling us to give our best to the work of Jesus Christ. Not give our leftovers, not give our crumbs, but to give our best. There are those who took this trial and, and let it strengthen them. They watched Paul. They would go in to visit with Paul and they would come out strengthened because here was this man in a Roman prison chained to four guards, but yet he was lifting up the name of Jesus and he was giving God praise and giving God glory. They saw Paul's boldness and his faithfulness in the face of great tribulation and they increased their faith. It says it, that they, that they increased their faith. So trials can make or break you. But these men and women took the opportunity to let it make them into something better. Now, please hear me. And this is going to be even more important as we draw nearer to the return of Jesus Christ. In this church, if you're going to serve, we must make a commitment to be more hungry for God, more obedient, more committed more uh, faithful to the things of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, John chapter 9 verse 4 says just exactly what I feel. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. The night is coming. Getting in a little bit of a, you know, we, we, we rate, if you watch the Super Bowl where Kansas City Chiefs one. I know none of you have heard that before, but uh, we were over at Tasha's, and when Harrison Bucker kicked that short field goal and the Chiefs went ahead, Malik, our youngest, went bonkers. He had been this way. If the if if. If uh, Philadelphia scored, well, let's turn it off. We don't want to watch this. I, they, they're going to lose. They're just, and I thought, he sounds just like his dad. 
And then if they'd score, he'd go running around the room. And then if Philadelphia would do something, he'd just throw up his hands again and want to quit and want to go upstairs and, and just turn it off. He's a fair weather fan. But when Butker hit that, I'm telling you, he went crazy. He just, he, he lost it. But as the church, I wish we'd get so involved. The Chiefs won. But did you see those two Christian commercials? Did you notice those? Have you seen the repercussions? The media is, 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 is crushing them. Jesus would not have, have put out those commercials. They're lying. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel any way, any time. So what I'm saying by that is simply this. Folks, as the time draws near for the return of Jesus, we're going to have to be more committed, not less committed. We're going to have to be more in love with Jesus. So if you're involved in any form of ministry in Destiny Church, you're going to realize that you're going to face troubles. Now, you're going to say, well, I don't, if, if I'm going to have to face troubles, I don't want to be a part of any ministry. Well, let me tell you this. If you're not involved in ministry, you're still going to face troubles. I mean, it's going to happen. It's, it's life. Life happens. Good things happen to good people, but bad things happen to good people. But there was also a second group in this. And that were those, those so-called Christians who saw Paul's imprisonment as an opportunity to, to glorify themselves. One thing I have to say about Destiny Church and every volunteer that I have seen, we've been here right at five years, and I have never seen one act of service that I ever felt was done to bring glory to you. Everything that I have seen done was to bring honor to the church and to bring glory to Jesus. So I praise you. But there were those spiritual leaders who wanted the light to shine on them. They saw Paul's imprisonment as an opportunity to shine their own light. The word <coughs> used here in the Greek is erethia, which came to describe a person who was concerned only with his own wealth, welfare, and selfish ambitions. You ever seen Christians like that? You ever seen ministers like that? As ministers, I believe that we need to commit our lives more to Jesus than ever before. In the preliminaries, when we gather, the volunteers gather in before, and, and Brother Doug had a devotional to share with us. He talked about the story in Ezekiel 47 where there was a waters coming out of the south side of the temple and the waters began to increase, and finally they were so, so deep that they were waters to swim in, waters that you could not cross over because they were so deep. And he said, the church, we need to dive into the depths of these waters. Folks, it's time that we begin to get hungry for God. Yeah, I, you've got jobs. You've got kids that you have to take to all kinds of events. I understand that. But who is number one in your life? We need one of those big Fingers that have like this, you know, the one. We need, we need to bring one of those and say, who is number one in your life? Because that's where Jesus wants to be. He wants to be number one. He doesn't want you to be self-serving. And point number three, happily ever after. The world as a whole, and we as Americans especially, love to hear those good times. We love to end a story with, with good news. If you don't believe me, how many of you have ever watched a Hallmark movie? Let me see your hand. You watched a Hallmark movie. Woo! 
I am amazed at how many different ways they can end up doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> Is that right, Todd? I mean, it just stuns me. Now, here is the script, and it's on every one of them. It's in every one of them. Here's the script. They're going to, uh, this, boy, this man and this woman are going to meet. Now, there may be two different ways here. They may have been <coughs> engaged at one time before, but had a bad breakup. Or they may never have met, and they meet one another, but whatever happens, they it, it, it just, first off, they, they can't stand one another. They're at each other's throats from the very beginning. I mean, they can't stand each other. All they can do is talk bad about one another. They dislike each other. But script number two, they're forced to work together on some project. It, <laughs> it amazes me how they can find all these different projects and, 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 and they, can, they can put them together and they have to work together. Thirdly, it always happens. They begin to break down some barriers and they begin to realize maybe he is not so bad. She's not so bad. Maybe, maybe, maybe we could be friends. And then, <laughs> it reaches a point where now they are, well, maybe they're falling in love. And now it's time for the kiss. <laughs> I am amazed at how many ways they can interrupt that kiss. Right? I can see some of you have watched them. They'll start to kiss, and the phone will ring, or the doorbell will ring, or somebody will walk in on them, and they pull back and they stop. Am I right? Have I missed anything yet? Now, we're not through with the script yet. So then they start realizing that they care for one another, but always, always, they end up in an argument. He's mad at her, she's mad at him. One of them has lied to the other. And so they're going to break it off. And they do, they break it off. I don't want to ever see you again. And then step number five, somebody says, do you really love him? Well, yeah, we'll go find him and catch him and don't let him go. Or do you love her? Yeah, go, go get him. And then the grand finale, the, the, the happily ever after, the great big kiss. And everybody, then the movie shuts down and everybody is happy. So don't tell me we don't like happily ever afters. <laughs> Philippians 1, 18 through 20 gives us a happily ever after for Paul. We could read this and say, poor Paul, I, I just, man, I, I don't know how you stood this. When you, when you read in 2 Corinthians 11 about uh, all the troubles that he went through, shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned. And I mean, I... I I don't think I would have withstood that. That would have been rough. But Philippians 1, 18 through 20 says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this is going to lead to my deliverance. Here's a man that's in prison, four guards hanging on to his every move. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. 
The word deliverance in verse 19 is also translated salvation. It comes from the Greek word soteria, which means in this instance, all that is happening to me in this very difficult situation is the best thing for me in this time and in eternity. Can you see that happily ever after? Paul's in prison. He is there for many, many months. But he says it's all going to be good. It's all going to work well. Paul tells us that in the end, all is going to be well and good if you know Jesus. Friends, let me tell you, you're going to face tribulations. You're going to face times in your life when it seems as if all hell is coming against you. You're going to feel like, I don't know if I can make this or not. But be of good cheer. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I can guarantee you that not one of us want to go through trials and tests. If he were left up to me, Dolph, I would, I would live on the mountaintop all the time. You know? You, don't, you know what I mean? I'd have everything going perfect, everything fine, no problems whatsoever, but that just isn't life. That just isn't the way that it works. It isn't realistic. Bad things are going to happen. Trials, troubles, pain, grief, sorrow, misery, they're going to happen to every one of you. You can't avoid it. Well, I'll go into a, I'll go into a hut and I'll just stay there. Well, you're going to find problems no matter what you are or where you are. You're going to find troubles. But I want to close this message by doing something my wife doesn't know that I was going to do. I want you to come up here with me. <laughs> come up here. This is not part of the Hallmark script, somebody says, so that's true. <laughs> Help her up so she won't fall again. Okay. Are we gonna kiss? No. <laughs> <laughs> she even embarrasses me. Goodness. September the first, we will be married fifty years. I mentioned those hard times. We went through those together. They just about crushed us. People that were supposedly our friends turned on us and began to say all kinds of things about us. They began to put us down and, and it, the pain was so vivid, so real. Even today, I still feel that same pain. As a matter of fact, during the midst of this, I had a family come in and and I had a lot of families visit, and all of them were mad at me. But this family came in, and they said, Pastor, we got to ask a question. So we came right in the midst of all this trouble that was brewing in the church, and we kept asking people. They, they kept telling us, well, you got to leave. You can't go to church there. You just can't stay. That, he's bad. We asked everybody, what has he done? Can you tell us what he has done? And they looked at me and they said, Pastor, nobody could ever tell us anything that you had done. All they could tell us was rumors and innuendos, but nobody ever had known any facts about it. I remember a time when it got so heavy that I, I stayed home for an entire week. This woman took over all the duties of the church for that week. 
and she did it well. And she stood by my side the whole time. I know what it means when I say that trials can either break you or trials can make you. Because here's what I want you to hear. We like those happily ever afters. Well, let me tell you something. After all those years, we're still standing strong. We're still victorious. Nothing is going to stop us. And the same thing can happen to you. The same thing. Some of you are facing trials. And some of you feel like that the pressure is so great that you can't stand it. I know what, I know what it feels like. As ministers, I think that's one of the reasons why we go through times like that so that we can relate to what our people are going through so that we can understand it. But this woman stood with me. I don't know if I would have made it without her. I know I would not have made it without God. But I can tell you this much. We are, we are living the dream now. We are, we're living the happy life. We get to babysit our kids all the time. <laughs> Before Chad's plane had landed, he was already singing, sending us a note said, can you watch the boys march the 6th through the 8th? We know it's coming. I, as a matter of fact, I told my kid, I said, it's, it, uh, and I said, I was going to tell you that he was going to ask that because I just knew it. And we love it. The boys want to come over and they want to play football. So here I am with a, with a knee replacement, 72 years of age, and Malik, oh, Malik will get so mad at me. He said, you're trash, Papa. You're trash. <laughs> and I mean, he just gets so angry with me. But we went through all of that. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give you anything to go through it again. I don't want to go through it again. I don't ever want to feel that pain again. But I am here to tell you this morning, we survived. We more than survived. We thrived. And we're stronger today than we've ever been. And you can so. So as the band comes back, I want you to, I want you to prepare your hearts. And if you're in this situation, you got something to say? or You're done. Here, let me help you down. As the band comes back, if you're facing a battle in your life, can I give you some hope? God's going to bring you through. Now, do you want to go through that trial? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to go through those hard times. If God asked me, Don Blancet, would you prefer to go through a trial or go through a victory? I'd say, oh God, victory every time. But that's just not realistic. It's not the way it's going to be. But I'm here to tell you, I know a God who is here this morning to set you free and to deliver you, just as he did Marquina and I. Now, I don't want to make all that one-sided. During that time, I, I, I promise you, I made more than my share of mistakes. So it was not, it was not all one-sided. Don't get me wrong. I, I made my mistakes. I was so heavy-hearted and so troubled. I, I know I wasn't a good pastor. I wasn't a good preacher. But God stood by our side. And if I'd have been God during that time, I'd have said, he's not worth anything. God stood, stood, right, stood right with us, and we survived. <laughs>